0: Dr. Michael Youssef with warnings for you. My beloved friend, be very careful of Satan's trick to deceive
1: you. Be very careful of Satan's trick to entice you. Be very careful of Satan's trick to mislead you. Be very careful of Satan's trick to get you to rationalize sin and explain sin as an inevitable progress. Be very
0: careful of Satan's trick to numb your conscience. Welcome to Leading the Way, the worldwide media ministry of Dr. Michael Youssef, pastor and author of more than 50 life-changing books. Learn more about Dr. Youssef and the expanding ministry of Leading the Way at ltw.org. Now, in the Bible, 2 Peter gives strong warnings against false teachers and deception. Today, Dr. Youssef takes you to Chapter 2 of this powerful book, for a challenging message in his series, It Is Never Too Late. Listen with me as Dr. Yusuf begins.
1: In the last message, we saw Peter telling us that these false teachers are enticing the unstable, these false teachers are misleading the weak, these false teachers are deceiving the dupes into giving sin a new name. Ah. But Peter also tells us something else about these false teachers. He said these false teachers and preachers are no rank amateurs. They are schooled in the art of seduction. They are trained. They are brilliant communicators. Here in verse 14, he makes what must have been a very painful statement for Peter to make and for us to hear, but it's the truth, and the truth sometimes hurt. He said, they are under a curse. Some of you probably have a problem with that. Well, I had a problem with it too, but how I feel is not the issue. What God thinks is the issue. Amen? Amen. And beloved, I want to tell you, and I said that last message— that Western culture got itself in the mess that it is in today is because we have ceased to think and began to only feel. And feeling can be very unreliable. And that's why Peter goes on to give us an example of a good prophet who went bad. I'm going to come to him in a minute. Some of these false teachers did not start as false teachers. Uh, They, at some point... Began to think more highly of themselves than they ought. They started out with good intentions, but their pride and their arrogance got in the way. Their pride and their arrogance began to take over. In fact, Peter is warning every one of us, every one of us, not just these false teachers, because we all, every one of us, including your pastor, are susceptible to this false teaching, especially when it's popular. He is warning every one of us, don't allow your pride to make us claim any power to ourselves or any authority, even over Satan." I'm not saying this. Peter's saying that. The Word of God is saying this. But rather, we cry out to God, and the God of power and might, He can rebuke Satan for you. He can bind Satan for you. He can give you victory over your Satan every time you come to Him. That's what he's saying here. Him me out on this one. Satan and his demons, when they got thrown out of heaven, we saw that in the last message, they were sentenced to judgment, and, and they will be thrown into the lake of fire when Jesus returns. But don't ever forget, they are supernatural powers nonetheless. They are under the control of God, but their supernatural power and our flesh and our pride are no match for these principalities and powers and rulers When false teachers either ignore them or minimize them or undermine them or they think more powerful than they are, they are putting themselves in peril. As a matter of fact, Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, warns us. He only wrote one chapter. His epistle is just one chapter. And in verse 9 of that chapter, he tells us about an incident that had taken place where a conflict between the great archangel Michael and Satan. And the great archangel Michael himself did not say, I rebuke you, Satan. He said, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Be forewarned. True believers— are not filled with pride, even spiritual pride, especially spiritual pride. But they always come to Jesus in a posture of brokenness, humility, not arrogance, and self-will. Beloved, I know it's fashionable among some, and I'm very careful, among some false teachers and preachers to say that we are gods with a small g. One of them said that the only thing that's human about you is that your body, but everything about you, you're a God with a small g. But there's something else here that I have learned about the common characteristics that I hear about those false teachers when they get caught into immorality. They begin to give grace as an excuse for sin, or as Paul said, a license for sin. And my beloved friends, I am told that even they become so blazoned that they bring that sin into the church building. And that's why Peter, in verse 14, here he said that their eyes are full of adultery. What's that mean? Their eyes full of adultery. The word that Peter uses here of having trained their heart means that they have deliberately fought with their conscience until they have silenced their conscience. They have deliberately wrestled with God until they kept Him out of their lives. They have deliberately trained themselves to focus on the forbidden. In other words, their action and their false teaching are no accident. They're not accidental. It is one thing to experience momentary lapse. It is one thing to experience... Occasional failure, even miserable failure. But it's a whole different ball game to be in sin and stay in sin and rationalize sin and explain sin. And that is why, of all the characters in the Bible who have blown it, and make no mistake about it, I'm so grateful the Bible does not cover up for the great men and women of God. Abraham lied. David messed up royally of all the people in the Scripture who have messed up greatly, Peter chooses one, Balaam. (laughs) Balaam. You can find that whole story in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, and read the whole story. Because Balaam is a frightening example of a person who fought against the will of God who tried to twist the arm of God, who tried to change the will of God, again and again and again. For what? For a pile of cash. Ah, but he did it so nicely. (laughs) That's the thing you're going to notice if you read it carefully. He did it so nicely. Don't you ever pray about something the Bible said is wrong. (laughs) Meanwhile, there was a king, a king of the Moabites, Moab is part of Jordan today. The king of Moabites, his name is Balak. Don't confuse him with Balaam. Balaam and Balak, I know they sound alike, but they're the ones who dealt with each other. They were negotiating. The king of Moab hated Israel. The king of Moab, Balak, feared Israel. The king of Moab, Balak, saw Israel as a threat to him. But he heard that there was a prophet for hire, a prophet for profit. He heard about this man Balaam. And so King Balak sends for prophet Balaam and said to him, Come and curse Israel, curse the people of God, and I will make you very, very rich. First he resisted. Oh no, 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 these are God's people. I can't do that. And then he said, Well, I can't go against the Lord. And then he said, Well, let me check with the Lord. I want to see if I can get God to change his mind about his people. <laughs> and then he kept doing this, he kept doing this, and God kept saying, No, don't do that. Don't curse my people. You cannot do that. I blessed my people. You can't curse them. But the king kept on upping the ante. I mean, he kept increasing that pile of cash. He kept on increasing the payout. He said, man, look at this pile of, of money. And he said, how can I turn this down? Lord, please, I can do some good with this money, Lord. I mean, I, I can support your ministry. Would, would you change your mind? And he kept, it, he kept at it. And God kept saying, no. No. The amount of money kept getting bigger. And he would go back to God. And God says, no. Beloved, you notice as you read the story, his strength to resist the temptation got weaker and weaker and weaker (laughs) by every passing day. Beloved, listen to me. Resist. Do not negotiate with the devil. Flee from temptation. Don't discuss it or debate it. In addition to his greed, Balaam, is, was said of Balaam that he also was motivated by sexual immorality. Finally, when he still would not listen to the voice of God, he gets on his donkey, and he's heading toward Israel to curse him. And he gets into a narrow passage. And in that narrow passage, Angel of the Lord was standing with a sword in his hand trying to stop him. But Balaam was so blinded with money that he didn't see the angel. And so he kept on beating his donkey, and the donkey couldn't move, and he kept on beating his donkey. The donkey saw the angel standing there, but Balaam didn't. You heard Scripture says that the God of this world has blinded them. My goodness gracious, if we've never seen that in real life, we're seeing it now. I'm seeing blindness like I have never seen. And I've seen a lot of people blinded. But are we seeing it in mass movement in America today? Blinded. I tell people, I said, these people are not shooting themselves in the foot. They're shooting themselves in the head. I'm <laughs> in mean, a captain beating the donkey finally. The donkey said, why are you beating me? Can't you see the angel? Hmm. When finally he could not curse the people of God because God blessed him. He came up with a diabolical plan, which would have the same effect as cursing them. He came up with a diabolical plan for King Balak. He said, I'll tell you what, get all your loose Moabite women and let them go and seduce the men of Israel. And it worked. It worked. My beloved friend, be very careful, be very careful of Satan's trick to deceive you. Be very careful of Satan's trick to entice you. Be very careful of Satan's trick to mislead you. Be very careful of Satan's trick to get you to rationalize sin and explain sin as an inevitable progress. Be very careful of Satan's trick to numb your conscience. Are you with me? He keeps at it. And at it, if you don't flee until he blunts the sharpness of the voice of the Holy Spirit. Every time I think about this, I think of an experience I had as a six-year-old boy. I was in first grade. We initially used to live in the main old city, but my father sold that house, and he built a lovely three-story house in the new side of town. And it was exciting for a little boy, but there was a problem with the house. It was very close to a railway line. And so the first night we slept in the new house. Every time the choo-choo train, that's how far ago that was, (laughs) he was screaming. I jumped six inches out of my bed. Next time, I may jump four inches. Next day, next week. And then I began to, when I hear the train screaming, I would wake up. I go back to sleep. I wasn't jumping at all. In less than three months, I slept like a baby, train and all. Beloved, that is how the enemy works with all of us, young or old, doesn't matter. This is how he works with all of us. And Peter said about these people who numbed their conscience in order to, for whatever their motives may be, he said, they're like a spring that has no water in it. They're like a mist or a cloud that the wind come and they sweep it away. Why is that important? Because in that part of the world, they were utterly, thoroughly dependent on the rainwater. You remember Elijah when he sent his assistant, he said, go and find out. They're waiting for the rain. They're waiting for the rain. So as soon as he saw a cloud as big as the man's fist, he said, great, God is going to answer our prayer. So that's how when they look up and they see that cloud, they get excited, their hope is built, rain is coming, rain is coming, help is coming. And then, to their thorough disappointment, wind blows that cloud away, and hope is dashed. And they come to these false teachers, hoping for bread, but they get a scorpion, hoping for water, and they get poison water. Verse 18… They use high-sounding words, fine phrases, brilliant communication skills. But they never satisfy the soul of a true believer. They'll never fill the soul of a true believer, because a true believer can only be filled by the Word of God. Look at verse 18 again. They allure those who have already escaped from the life of sin and the life of error. They already escaped, but they allure them back. Instead of building up the believers in the truth of the Word of God, they allure them into doubting the truth, into picking and choosing the truth, in wanting to believe that but not this Question. Why do you think Peter is so concerned about this? I personally believe it's because Peter knew experientially. Experientially, he knew. And beloved, I know experientially how difficult it is to be unhooked and untangled from the errors and the doubts once they get their hooks into you. Verse 19 is a key verse. Don't miss it. It's a key verse. He said, these false teachers and false leaders always talk about liberty and freedom. They do. But it's not what the Bible teaches what liberty and freedom is. They use the word, but not the same meaning. Because when the Bible speaks about our liberty in Christ and our freedom in Christ, it means our freedom not to sin. Before Christ came into our lives, we were slaves to sin. But when Christ came into our lives, we became free from that slavery. We are now free to say no. Now we're free to have the victory. But false teachers twist these truths. They twist the meanings and say, Christian is free to sin, and God's grace will take care of it. These false teachers pride themselves in being liberated to sin. Now, beloved, many of the false teachers start well. They really do. They start well. well Well-intentioned, as they gain popularity and power, they cease to preach the truth, and they allow their charm, and not the changeless gospel of Jesus Christ, and the changeless truth of the Word of God, to be their secret, And Peter is saying that for that reason, their judgment will be more severe than some of those who have never heard of Jesus. They will face greater condemnation than those who have never known biblical truth. Why? I think in most cases, they're not saved. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4, 5, and 6 says of them, He said, they tasted, they tasted but they never ingested. They tasted, but never ingested. Wine tasters, and, and they keep mugging them out. It could be taken for hours. And what are they doing all this time? Two minutes, three minutes? And then they spit it out. Verse 22, Peter quotes Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. Like a dog returns to its vomit. And then he adds, or a swine after being washed returns to wallow in the mud. In reality, as I said, these people may never have been saved to begin with. However, and this is a big one, don't miss it. However, if they are saved, if they belong to the remnant, if they are belong to the Church of Jesus Christ, if their names are written in the book of life, one day, when they repent, they're going to be crying blood. Or the Lord will take them home. As Paul said, to save their soul, He'll take their body. See, in Bible times, dogs were not those lovable, huggable pets that you have at your house. It's fine. It's great. I love dogs in your house. (laughs) In Bible times, dogs and swines were contemptible animals. Question. Why is Peter using such a strong language? I mean, really, is that strong language by first century standards, by our standards? It's a strong language. Beloved, listen carefully. So as to highlight the fact that the lapsed Christians will face more tragic plight than the unconverted. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, Jesus puts it this way He said, When an evil spirit leaves, a person, soul. And if that soul is not filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that evil spirit is watching, and he's watching, and he's watching, and that place has not been filled. It's still empty. So he goes out and he brings seven more evil spirits than he is, and they come in and they set up house. It's terrifying when you think about it. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, read it carefully when you go home, that when a true believer, a person who's saved eternally, and you and I cannot judge that because we do not have the book of life with us, and we don't know, and just let's be careful, okay? But if that person is saved eternally, name written in the book of life, and they keep on disobedience, they keep on deliberately uh, moving away from the Word, deliberately belittling the Word of God, deliberately 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, God takes the body so that he may save that person's soul. Beloved, I told you in the last message, God is very, very, very patient, but God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. Can you say it with me? God will not be mocked. This tragic ending does not have to be. Wherever you are on the spectrum of the Christian journey, whether you are a beginner or in the middle, or wherever you are, that tragic end does not have to be. Turn back to God while you can. Turn to the Lord while he may be found. Repent now before the repentance time has passed. God is waiting and longing
0: to forgive and to restore and to heal. Thank you for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for Leading the Way. Do you have faith questions, maybe even faith doubts or struggles? Well, we would invite you to speak with a Leading the Way pastor or counselor. Just fill out a quick contact form and look through some of the helpful FAQs at ltw.org/jesus. ltw.org/jesus.
1: Do you have a desire to know God in a more intimate way, but don't know how to start? Leading the Way has a life-changing resource that's just what you need. Dr. Youssef has authored a devotional book that offers practical insight from God's Word to help you navigate the challenges of life. It's called The Daily Way. Each of the 365 Daily Way readings offer biblical truth about the topics of everyday life, including relationships, prayer, Praise, foundational teachings of Jesus, current culture, and much more. You'll look forward to digging deeper into God's Word, guided by a pastor with a passion for God's truth. Get details about a special offer for The Daily Way when you visit ltw.org.
0: ltw.org. Right now, Dr. Youssef is making this powerful book, The Daily Way, available when you give a gift of any amount to the worldwide ministry of Leading the Way. Details are available at 866-626-4356 and at ltw.org. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef.